Chapter Eight: The Experiments. Every part of the campus somehow connected to another part. There were steel doors that guarded the entryway into another part of the facility. It reminded me of the doors on trains that connected other rail cars. We were entering into a larger quarter with luxurious-looking furniture everywhere. To my amazement, I saw the faces of the nine other star children waiting on me to greet them. They all were lined up side by side, waiting for my arrival. I felt honored to meet every one of them. The look in their eyes was that of astonishment that I even existed. We were all staring at each other at some point, leaving Dr. Miles to do the proper introductions. Children, this is Pierce. He is the last of the ten of you. He will be staying here with you now and helping out around the compound. Everyone, introduce yourselves to Pierce. Come now, Dr. Miles instructed. They all gathered around me and began shaking my hand. They told me their names and asked me how I was doing. It was all pretty formal. I studied every one of them one by one as they approached me. Only one caught my eye. It was a boy about my age that had his head all bandaged up. It looked like he was fresh out of surgery. I tried to understand. Doctor Miles, what happened to that boy over there with bandages on his head? I dared to ask. It was a serious case that young man had. He had fluid coming out of his ears and always complained of headaches that he had. We had to open him up and examine his brain to see if there was anything seriously wrong with him. After the surgery, he seemed to do a whole lot better. Didn't complain of any headaches anymore. We're hoping that it solved the problem. He didn't really answer my question, and I wasn't a six-year-old. He was talking down and being vague on purpose. Well, what did you do in the operation? I implored. We cut a piece of his brain out to be tested. We found nothing that could have caused the trauma he was experiencing. Although we did gain a lot of knowledge about the brain of a half-blood, it is now known to us that your brains work differently than regular human brains do. He said with command, with his body language, saying that he was done explaining. That was all that he said. He didn't volunteer any more information. He just left me hanging. I was more confused about what had happened now than before. I had a million questions that I wanted to ask, but reading Doctor Miles and his body language, it was not the time for that. I just kept it to myself. Rest up now, Pierce. Tomorrow will be a big day for you. We are going to test you to see exactly what you are capable of and how best you can serve your country. I will leave you to your new friends. I'm sure they will be more than happy to fill you in or answer any questions that you might have. Good night. Good night, Doctor Miles. Thank you for your help. I said, trailing off. With that, Doctor Miles walked out of the door and into another hallway. I just sat there looking at the doors, but then I noticed that all of the other star children were looking straight at me and were beginning to move closer to me to have a look. Nervously, I said, "Uh, hi. I'm not good with names. I'm Pierce." Um, how long have you all been here? What happened in your cases? I asked, attempting to break the ice. I am Lena. I have been here the longest. They like using me because of my ability to locate weapons of mass destruction. I have been moved around a lot, taking road trips and airplane trips to other countries. They say that we are dangerous and must be monitored. They tell you that? No, they didn't tell me that. I was under the impression that I was a member of the CIA now and serving my country. 
That is how they put it to me. Is that a lie? Well, maybe you're different, Pierce. But as far as the rest of us go, we have been treated like animals since we got here. Isn't that right, Travis? She looked over to a boy. Yeah, I, I'm Travis. You said you weren't good with names, and I'm not either. I just got here last month. Since then, I have been used to try to uncover secret information and intelligence reports on other countries. They wanted me to access our computer files, but I couldn't see it. I saw something, but it wasn't right. It couldn't have been right. I just kept it to myself because I didn't think it was accurate, he said, looking down and picking at his fingers nervously. What is it? I asked. What did you see? I don't want anybody to hold me accountable for this info or anything. I could be wrong, okay? I- I'm-, I'm not sure if it was psychic or just me. Travis paused. Just tell him, would you? Leanna piped in. I saw the paperwork and files of everyone that the government had killed or was ordered to kill over the past 50 years. It also looked like a list of names and addresses of people and children that were yet to be killed because of their half-blood status. They were trying to wipe out the entire human alien race. I saw it, but I'm not sure that I did see it. It doesn't make any sense. They wouldn't do that. Travis explained, reassuring himself at the same time. Well, you don't know what exactly they would do, do you? I asked curiously. No, I guess not. I mean, look at what has happened to us thus far. I'm not proud of it, but they have used me to murder men, women, and children over intel. I said the word, and their machine gunned thousands of people down. It was my call. I have blood on my hands from them. I can't sleep at night. I'm going through post-traumatic stress, he muttered. Here comes the guard on night patrol. Everybody, pretend they're going to bed, Leanna instructed. No, we had better get to bed soon, for real. They will be checking up on us throughout the night like some kind of prisoners. Travis exuded fear. I was putting my only belongings in the drawer next to my bed. I noticed the television on, playing some news channel. It was a pretty view out of the window in the back of the building. The moon was shining bright tonight. I looked up at the sky and made a wish that night. I tried to see into the future and discern if there was going to be peace or war. I kept seeing spacecraft fill the skies. A nervous feeling flooded my stomach. I had to lay down and relax. Maybe the music that Leanna was playing in her room would put me to sleep. There was aircraft flying all night long over that property. It must have had an airport nearby because of the traffic coming in and out. I heard at least about seven different engines, all going at once. There must be at least seven airplanes then. They were just flying overhead until like four o'clock in the morning. I saw the smoke their engines left behind as it trailed in the night sky. The moon was so bright up there, it illuminated everything that you wanted to see. A gorgeous sight to behold on such a terrifying time in my life. There was fear on every face in that institution. I call it that because that's where we were. It sure felt like it. It felt like a dark place where we were being confined. The only thing that kept me playing along was the deal that we agreed to about serving my country. As long as I would go along with what they said, I could have what I most desired, a position in the armies of my country. It was a childhood dream. 
We were all so young, I thought. I was 18, and the rest of the star children had to be about the same age as me. No one was over 19. What a terrible circumstance for all of us. I thought about their families, who must be worried sick about them. Then I thought about my mom and dad. That made me break down, and I cried myself to sleep. I didn't want to talk about it or think about it. It had shattered me permanently. There was no repairing this damage. The next day, we were all awakened by the sound of the alarm that echoed the halls of the entire facility. It was a computerized alarm that played over the intercom. It felt more like a jail than anything to me, and I did not want to stay there another night. We did have a wonderful breakfast provided to us by the staff. A woman with a white outfit came into the living quarters and served us a banquet of food, eggs, toast, milk. I felt like I was back at school again when we all ate together, all ten of us. We were visited by Dr. Miles once again before I could think of devouring the breakfast. He would be our guide for our daily activities and duties. Children, how are you all? I hope you all got some sleep. We have a busy day today. The other secret agencies have banded together with us to target an American enemy. We have the coordinates of their army, which is planning an attack on our country this evening. We want all of you to help us in this effort of taking them out before they take us out. This will be a challenging exercise, but I am confident in your ability to deliver. Get cleaned up and meet me at the doorway in five minutes. The orders were clear. This time, it wasn't just one of the star children that he wanted, but all of us to participate. I finished cleaning myself up and made my way toward the double door entrance. I saw five armed guards approaching the doorway. My instincts jumped at that moment. This didn't look right or feel right. Something was wrong. I could sense it. There was no sign of Dr. Miles. He was nowhere to be found. The guards came in the doorway forceful, demanding. You kids doing something you shouldn't be doing in here? You hear me? Well, answer me then. I said, are you kids doing something in here that you should not be doing? He was very loud and very forceful when he shouted these words at us. Everyone was shaken down and restrained. I was on the floor, and they were questioning me about my life. Questions about every area of my life were what they demanded. We were under so much pressure and tested us about the answers we gave to them previously. I was enraged to think that Dr. Miles could be involved with these types of indecent matters. He was becoming just as bad in my mind as the rest of these interrogators. One of them yelled at me about my friends. Who are these people that were seen with you? Your friends? Tell me about them. What is Katie like? Is she like you? How do you know her? What about that Andy friend of yours? How do you know him? You two buddy-buddy? Who are these people? Tell me now. It kept going on until they believed that they had the answers that they needed. Then they let us get up and took off the cuffs from around our wrists. Everyone line up in a single file line. I want you to walk forward following the person in front of you. I will tell you where to turn and when to move. Do not move unless I tell you. Is that clear? An armed guard asked us. Everybody shook their heads in understanding to him in unison. We all walked in a straight line and right out of that room. The path was clear but unknown. When we reached the exit to the compound, we were ordered to stop. It was there that we waited for someone from the outside to open the doors. This was a security measure. An extended, white, full-sized van came to pick us up. 
we were ordered to enter the vehicle and wait for further instructions. When I saw Dr. Miles run out of his living quarters with his pajamas on and his slippers, I knew something was terribly wrong. He was yelling at the guards that they were taking us away. You can't do this. Who told you to do this? I am the four-ranking officer here. What do you think you're doing? Said Dr. Miles. We now have orders to ship them out. You are being warned. Please stay out of our way or face the consequences, Dr. Miles. The soldier that had just yelled at him in his face was barbaric. He was over six feet tall and rather muscular. The look in his eye said that he did not go down for anybody. He was looking for a fight with all the power that he and his team had. Nobody at that facility was going to stop him from doing whatever he wanted to. The only piece of jewelry he wore was his gold chain. He never took that off, even in the heat of battle. From how the last trip went, where I was riding for hours to get to the compound, I thought that it would be an all-day thing. That thought changed immediately as the van stopped just five minutes into the drive. We were escorted by gunpoint out of the vehicle and into a hospital-like facility. They made way for us and told us to go down a flight of stairs, taking us to the lower level of the building. When I saw what awaited us, I began to feel sick to my stomach and shook with fear. We were being led to a strapped-down unit that would hold us in chairs to allow the staff to operate on our brains. I saw one of the kids that they had already worked on, he was sitting in the chair, lifeless and still. The top of his head was sawed off, and his brain was exposed. They had equipment hooked up to his brain, while the monitors told the staff the activity that was happening inside his brain. The attendant walked towards us with a smile and a clipboard. Hello, star children. We are here to help you. This is an examination room, where we will be taking a look at your brain activity, in efforts to see if there is anything that would be abnormal. This young man over here is perfectly fine. We have him hooked up to the monitors to determine if he will need any additional support. Don't worry, this is harmless and only a precaution. Please take your seats so we can begin. After you are done here, you will go on to your assignment that Dr. Miles has already told you about. The man with the clipboard explained to us. He was unsuccessful in calming us. There was screaming from some of the ten star children at that point. They were terrified by what they saw, and nothing that the staff was going to say was going to help. It was a dark energy and an awful sight. One of the guards grabbed one of the ten and strapped them into a chair. I could not believe the cries that I heard. I have never heard someone so petrified in my life. Watching the staff inject the star child with a sedative and waiting for them to pass out made my head spin. Once they were unconscious, they began to fire up the medical saw that they used to cut open a human skull. It sawed aggressively and went right into the brain cavity. This is not a part of the story that I want to remember. This is where my mind gets made up about leaving that place. I sat there in my chair, strapped down, feeling the drug kick into my system. My visions were double, but already hearing the saw buzzing in my ear. It was a moment when I decided not to risk being there any longer. That is, if I survived my present circumstance. My instincts kicked in, and with a current of electricity, the straps burned off my arms, and I was released from my confinements. 
The soldiers became alarmed and tried to seize me before I had a chance to move. But with my power, I sent an electric jolt through their bodies. The electricity was coming out of my eyes. I didn't have much control over it. Yet I kept consciously pumping the well of supernatural power from inside of me. I was determined to break out of there. Still drugged up, I began to run toward the exit, which was a double doorway to the next room. I heard the alarms going off and screaming behind me. My adrenaline had kicked in, and I was moving toward my freedom. This is the only thought that went through my mind, which was fighting sleep. There were another set of doors, and also a hallway to clear. Within seconds, I made it out of one of the exits to find the sunshine outside. It hit my face and gave me a wake-up call of another sort. I looked all around and jetted toward the woods. This was a man-made village. But the wooded area and any back road leading to civilization was my only hope. I was running as fast as I could when I heard the voice over the intercom. We are going to execute your brothers and sisters one by one. Your actions have caused us to take an aggressive role. We must defend ourselves against all that you are capable of. We will find you. We have soldiers everywhere. The voice that played over the intercom was threatening and frightening. That was precisely the reaction that they were looking for. I was being hunted by armed soldiers that probably had a shoot-on-sight order over my head. The pressure on my head was as heavy as the drugs were reacting. I was pulling my arms and legs along to help me run as the sedative was working its way into my muscle groups. Panting and sighing, I ran faster and harder until I saw the fence that separated me from life and death. There was a knowing that came from the gut that if I was caught, I would be murdered for what I did. Nothing inside of me wanted to risk that, so it was driving me further still. The fence was higher than I thought it was, and my body was about to give out. The soldiers had caught up to me and were now standing right behind me. I heard a shot from one of the rifles, but it didn't kill me. It must have been a tranquilizer, because I immediately passed out. From that point, I was carried by the soldiers back to the compound. When I woke up, I was strapped down to a bed in a room alone. The only window in the room had steel bars on it to ensure that there were no escape routes.